In honor of Black History Month, friend of NWEF and history teacher Ted Lamb is going to share a story with you about little-known black patriots in American history. Stay tuned each Friday this month for a new episode about one of these secret American heroes. Welcome to the State of Education. My name is Melvin Adams, and this month, uh, being Black History Month, we have been doing a special feature each week. I've been joined by a history teacher, Ted Lamb, and uh, he has been sharing some fascinating stories with us. And uh, the first story we heard was of uh, the gentleman who is pictured in the boat going across the river with uh, General Washington as they were uh, going in to attack the British. The second was a story of a man who, an African-American who was in the military serving in the wars and where he took out a major British general or leader, at least in that, in the, the British leader and, uh, and was re rewarded with his freedom. And he went on to do many significant things. Last week, we learned about potentially the very first uh, elected uh, African-American, well, that was before America, actually, before we actually had our War of Independence and how he was an elected official, went on to hold many different elected offices and was a very much a, an active part of the Revolutionary War. And so these are fascinating stories, little heard, but are important for us to know about these significant people, uh, because like so many African-Americans today, uh, they are having positive impact in our society and for our good. And so today we have another story. So Ted, what have you got for us today? Yeah. So it's been interesting over the last couple of weeks of what we covered with, you know, Prince Whipple, uh, crossing the Delaware with George Washington to attack um, the Hessians um, and, and Peter Salem on the second day, um, killing Major uh, Picard, um, who, by the way, was the same one that um, attacked the colonists at Lexington and Concord. Most people don't know that. Um, and then last week was, was a real treat, uh, learning about Wentworth Cheshwell, which... Um, I, I, and since this time, I've been doing a little bit of research. Um, he, he was elected even before the United States. But I, if I understand, someone had said that there may be someone else <laughs> earlier than that okay. <laughs> that had been elected. But we're going to figure that one out, too, because that goes into this and it doesn't take away from the story. The um, Today, um, I can't count um, because <laughs> we had said one, but I wanted to present a, a group of men so we have seven okay <laughs> um and and it's what i call the magnificent seven and this tells an amazing story because again based upon the dialogue and what we see and we hear today um about our history saying that you know after the civil war um you had uh all of these slaves and there was no reading there was nothing destitute um, no education, excuse me, at all. And then, of course, when you look at today's standards, uh, 2023, how many kids uh, from all walks of life um, is sitting at low reading 
and uh, reading levels and math. And yet this group I'm about to share with you is absolutely amazing. Um, I think our, uh, our own politicians of today could learn from them. And it's basically, uh, and, and many people have seen this painting too, and they may not just realize it, but it is um, the, is called the first colored senator and representatives in the 41st and 42nd Congress of the United States. And this would be right around 1870. So stop and think about this. The Civil War is over. And depending upon a little bit how we want to uh, consider this like Juneteenth uh, day and, and one up. But within five years, you have these gentlemen and their names are. Uh, and notice the states. <laughs> notice the states. Senator Harem Revels, Mississippi. Representative Benjamin Turner, Alabama. Uh, Representative Robert DeLarge of South Carolina. Representative Josiah Walls of Florida. Jefferson Long of Georgia. And Joseph Rainey and Robert B. Elliott of South Carolina. All of these served in the, the 31st and 42nd um, sessions of, of Congress and the Senate within five years of um, basically the Civil War. Why is that important? Because again, we have this idea that all were destitute, uh, the ruin, the Civil War and so forth. These gentlemen, if you go on the record, the Library of Congress, or just look them up for primary sources, the speeches that they gave were absolutely amazing. Um, in my opinion, they were along the lines of the Federalist Papers. These guys had it down, and they knew how to make an argument. Um, some of these individuals, and there's one speech, and I'll have to dig it up and look at it because it's absolutely amazing. One of these individuals actually went after Alexander Stevenson, the vice president of the Confederacy, uh, when he came back into Congress. These guys were there, and he actually called him out because um, it was something along the lines of they were wanting to pass a civil rights bill, and Stevens was making the argument about states' rights again, you know, and this person said, said wait a minute, <laughs> so now we're going back to states' rights. That was the argument that you tried to use before, but really your own cornerstone speech showed otherwise. The cornerstone speech was what um, he had given uh, heading into the Civil War, Alexander Stevenson. So these guys, at great risks to them, um, they actually was elected. They actually um, got things passed. They were very eloquent um, with regards to um, taking the nation down the road that it was supposed to. Unfortunately... As in really after the compromise of 1877, the presidential election, yes, no, we haven't only had, you know, presidential scandals in the 20th <laughs> and 21st century. Nothing new uh, under the sun. Huh? <laughs> nothing new under the sun. And 1877 was a big one. Um, but we don't know about that one either. But that's another topic, too. 
um, each one of them got defeated and was sent home, but they left their mark. All of them um, actually were Republican. That's something else that is kind of overlooked today. You look and you see the demographics and so forth. And I've even talked with colleagues too. And they're like, no, that never would have happened. No, that was, <laughs> that's what that was. Um, and all of them, I mean, they, they were just incredible with what they were able to accomplish and get done in a very short time span. Why is that important for us? Because clearly it shows this. Let's assume for a second that each one of them under slavery, let's assume for a second, each one of them had no education skills. But think about that in five years time, they educated themselves so eloquently that you wouldn't even know the difference between someone being there for 30 years versus that five years right there. Wouldn't even know the difference at all. Um, secondly, we don't know that, you know, that these people even existed, these, these gentlemen. Um, we, we tend to think that, yeah, probably during that time, maybe someone that was black would have been elected. But again, the whole nation was racist. Well, that's not the case. We've shown that the last three episodes. And this right here even clearly shows it too. And also too, it shows political parties as well. Um, that's even a whole uh, series you can go on with, with you know the flip and the change of what happened with this. But um, these seven right here were absolutely amazing at what they did. Um, it's not that they lost because they did a poor job. It's just that they lost because the circumstances uh, flipped on them, but they left their mark. That's what was so incredible about them. That's interesting story. You know, as I'm, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about, first of all, uh, while it is probably true that most slaves did not have any opportunity for education, uh, we do know that uh, there were slaves uh, that, you know, they did have some opportunity even, you know, within maybe the mistress of the house was helping, a per, you know, them to learn how to read or this and that. I mean, there are accounts that you can read about this uh, and how, you know, that helped set them up. Another thing is, you know, even they may have been slaves, but some slaves worked, you know, there were many different roles and jobs that slaves had. And so some of them, uh, you know, spent their whole life in the field. There were others who spent their life serving the, the leaders of the house, serving the guests and the dignitaries that came in. And so, you know, they were trained to be cultured, to be, you know, a, appropriate for those settings. And so not that I'm making excuses for slavery. I'm not in any way, in any way. Correct. You know, as you've been sharing this story, I'm reminded, you know, as we've through this month, we've really been focusing on uh, so often, a lot of times we are uh, kind of given stereotypes and it's easy to embrace stereotypes about people groups and 
racial communities and so forth. Uh, but really what we need to be doing is focusing on individuals because every individual is unique. Every individual not only has their own opportunities, but takes advantage of those opportunities in some appropriate way. And, and through that has opportunity to distinguish themselves and, and become a leader, uh, in their community and in the nation. And, uh, so as as I was listening to this uh, here regarding these gentlemen and, you know, just, I mean, five years after our Civil War, and, and these are people from the South who, who are African-American, who are elected to Congress, uh, who have significant impact on the thoughts and deliberations and decisions uh, of this country at that time. Um, you know, that's one of the beauties of this country. Um, when people step forward and when they, when they uh, bring value to their communities, uh, there's something about that that just you know, leadership, uh, leadership is earned. Uh, success many times is earned. Sometimes we kind of get this that oh these are people that don't have any opportunity, never had any opportunities, and sometimes that happens. But when people take what they're given and make the best of it, um, I mean we have so many people. Uh, in our history that just went from nothing, so to speak, to being significant leaders. And I, I think I just want to say, as we kind of are getting ready, and you have maybe a few closing remarks here in a moment too, but as we are wrapping up this Black History Month, uh, whether a listener is Black or whether they are any other ethnical background, the reality is as an individual uh, every one of us has opportunities and really much depends on what we make of those opportunities. Because in this country, if we work hard, if we have integrity, if we serve, tremendous things can happen for us. And, and I would go even further with that, too, and say that when we look at our history, especially at our founding not only did these incredible men and women, um, because even as you had pointed out, Phyllis Whitley, very well-known <laughs> um, poet. In fact, George mm -hmm. Washington absolutely loved her. Um, mm -hmm. That during that era, the colonial and the American Revolution, not only did these individuals give so much to this country, but... There's others uh, from foreign lands that came here, bled and died that we don't know about and talked about. And I assure you, I, I, I just maybe I've got a hint <laughs> that if you ask them or you hyphenated their names with like African-American or uh, Polish-American, uh, such as Count Pulaski, who died mm -hmm. in Georgia, um, for uh, uh, the Continental Army, um, any any of these individuals, I think they would take umbrage with the fact that you're hyphenating them because I think what they mm -hmm. showed us, they came to to die and fight for 
and live for a set of principles that what these 13 colonies were standing for. And, right. and that's just it. Um, because of our organic or original documents, um, because of 1607, you know, of coming to this nation for religious freedoms, economic opportunities, because of 1620, um, it's because of those things that brought has brought people here. So if we would actually get back to and reteaching these things, well, things that have made us great and things mm -hmm. that we still have connections with. And I do think that they're starting slowly to go away because when you mm -hmm. don't know or you forget or you have an agenda, you know, to kick out and bring something the opposite in, it can fall. But we still yeah. have opportunity, though, to restore back these things. And I'm sorry, I don't buy into that just because you love this nation or you actually don't hold the line of, of inherent racism or institutional racism. And, and if you don't want to believe that, then there's something horribly wrong with you. No, because there's clearly enough evidence, uh, primary sources, that shows otherwise. Have we done our fair share of wrong? Yes. But the thing about it is for every wrong you can show me, I can give you 10 of good from the very individuals that the wrong was done to. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Absolutely. Ted, it's been great having you this month. Thank you for coming and sharing these stories. I hope that our listeners will take these and listen to them, share them with their children, share them with their grandchildren, do a little more research on these individuals and look for other characters, individuals who played a significant role in making our country better, making their communities better. And, you know, this goes, you know, we're talking back in our origins, so to speak. But, you know, the founding of this country, much of this conversation has been happening around that. But the reality is that is happening today. And every day in this country, significant people are rising up because of their leadership, because of their character, because of their vision, because of the opportunities they create for others. And, you know, the bottom line is, we live with integrity, if we are willing to serve, um, we, we can make this country a better place. And that is always our goal. And so, uh, again, thank you for sharing stories. And thank you to all of you who are listening today and uh, throughout this month. Share these episodes if you would like. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Ted? And I, and I would also say, too, with that, yes, definitely share these episodes. Um, on, on uh, my, my history group, History Moments with Ted, we have these, but we also have so many more for the month of February. Yes, I would encourage you to uh, take these episodes through Noah Webster, um, anything that's on that website too, because they're, these were great stories, but there's even some that's even, wow, <laughs> even you know yeah, bigger yeah. that I was able to share on there as well, so. Ted, thanks for the work you're doing. Uh, you're, you're awesome. Appreciate it. And uh, you, we'll post that site for our uh, listeners and uh, so they can go there and pick up some more of your good stuff. And uh, again, thank you. 
Thanks for joining us today. One of our goals at the Noah Webster Educational Foundation is to equip citizens to engage with their local government and school system. You can find resources, including our online course, Introduction to School Boards, on our website at www.nwef.org. Tune in next time for another episode of the State of Education with Melvin Adams.